We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale and his marvelous beard today. Hooked up, super crisp. The, the edges. If you guys see him on TV this week, he's everywhere this week for the fight. Just marvel at the beard when you go to the official Tischl barbershop to get it done. He's been telling me to do it for a while. My barber just moved back from Dallas. Next week, Drake, next week, I'm in there. I'm going. I'm, I got to let the beard grow out more, though, because I don't have as much beard as you do. But I would get, like, real grizzly and then go and see him, see, see what they do. But yours is marvelous. Hey, shout out to Carl Littles from uh, the original barbershop in Vegas. That's my brother from, like, when we was kids, man. And he's, like, he, he's, he perfectly manicured and curated this thing that I got. Yo, I saw myself. I was like, who is that? <laughs> I was like, it's me, goddammit. Everybody got the barber, homie, in Vegas. That's like the thing. There's like every graduating class or probably every other year, someone from your class that you knew became a barber. Of course. And then they cut everyone's hair for like the next 50 years of life. Yeah. But like Carl is uh, like he, he cut my hair when we was like 15, right? Yeah. And then he's got a barber school. He's got a barber shop. He was just, if anybody sees him on Instagram, he's like, he's cutting boys to men's hair. He's, he's cutting hair of like Kevin Hart, JB Smooth. So I was like, Carl. Fight week, pulling up. Because he saw me. The, the crazy thing, he saw me uh, at my daughter's birthday. My boy Dwayne was there, yep. showed a picture. And Carl was like, let me get a hold of that beard. And I was like, all right. <laughs> fight week, I, I was like, I'm coming through. Because the last time, he, he, he hasn't seen me since the pandemic. I hadn't been like, to his barbershop. It's a different barbershop. So the last time he cut my hair was the day that I, the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder press conference, when I asked the Black History Month question. Yeah, it was right before the pandemic. So I hadn't seen nobody at the barbershop. So when I pulled up in the barbershop, they're like, oh, it's Andreas. Because I guess what happened is as soon as I left the barbershop, I went to that press conference, and they had the press conference on at the barbershop. <laughs> so when I appeared on the screen, the first thing Carl says was, I got to make sure I did his shit right. Like, I can't have my man looking up here all scruffy. So he's like, now that I know that you might be showing up on TV at any given moment, it's got to be tight. So <laughs> hook me up. Barber friends are the best. I get, I'm telling you, I'm going to go to the barber even though no hair up top anymore. But maybe they shaved, like, straight razor. Oh, I never had that done. Man, I, I, 
That's what I did to mine. I got sunburned. From the, yeah. I went to the Niners game. I got sunburned. Yo, I've never been sunburned in my life. My wife laughs at me because, like, she gets sunburned off of, like, anything. So got to make sure she has the sunscreen all this. I had never been sunburned in my life until I started shaving my head. Oh, yeah, it'll get you. And I was like, yo, what the hell is going on? And it was, like, peeling, and it was all bad. Yep. So now I got to keep the sunscreen for the dome right. when you're outside. The maintenance for this stuff, man. They'll tell you about that. Look, look, because I wasn't on the show last week. You had the show all to yourself, which yeah. is a scary thing. I won't listen to it. No, I, I didn't go, like, wild. People complained because I wasn't spicy enough. You Stop. Don't encourage this man. <laughs> uh, but I was at the Niners game. I spent the weekend in San Francisco. It was, like, a guy's weekend. And uh, I went to the Niners game, and I, I got, like, six row. We had, like, the 30-yard line. And I was super excited. And it was hot as shit. And I was like, I didn't have a hat on. And I was like, oh, man, what am I doing? And then I came back, and I was like, man, I need aloe vera on my dome because it's fight week, and it starts to peel. Like, yo, man, this bald people problems. It like, is. It you cats is. that got hair, you listening, you chuckling and shit, F y'all. Yep. We, got, we, don't, we got to protect this. When I got to sunburn, I really considered getting the LeBron. I was like, yo, this is it. I just got to grow my hair out, get the fake hairline. I, I, I can't take a sunburn. I don't know how people do this all the time in the summer. I'd rather get the Bosleys. With, with the paint that drips, if you do a little bit <laughs> you too get, much. The Jermaine Jackson. Just, I, I considered it all. I was like, yo, listen, I can't, I can't do a sunburn. I'd rather people laugh at me. I get the Carlos Boozer. Where's don't, real don't do the booze. paints it on? Real yo, paints it on. Booze pulled up. I remember seeing that, and I was like, there's, <laughs> there's no way. Like, look at that. Like, it looked like it was as black as your T-shirt. <laughs> and it was like no texture to it. It was just like flat. He looked like a Grand Theft Auto character. <laughs> yeah. like, it looked ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yo, I'm telling you, that, that's how bad the sunburn was. Because who catches their first, like, first sunburn ever at the age of 32? That's what happened. Makes no damn sense. So, yeah, it had me reevaluating my hair choices at that point. But as you can see, I'm just smart enough to get sunscreen now, and I can rock the baldy. I'm feeling good. Feeling like a 1999 Jada kiss. <laughs> now, now, now I know how to really, you know, rock the baldy correctly. We didn't come here to talk barbers. So wait, wait, we got to have a new segment. Track. We got to have a new segment. Because yeah. now that we have this studio, right, every time I show up, I'm going to put my feet. Oh, on the table? Yeah. I oh, okay. So you got <laughs> I got the cork in the Air, Force, Air Max 90s. Yep. The cork, all, like literal cork, right? Like you can put it in your wine bottle. And it, they're fancy. So now, Kel. This guy's the Daniel Bryan of sneakers. He yep. got just straight cork. Like when Daniel Bryan had the, the hemp belt. Like, you're just real environmentally friendly out here. I'm going to try every show to have a different pair of kicks on. That's cool, but I'm wearing the same pair of sneakers That's why every this is going to be a new segment. So they're just going to see me rocking the same pair? Yes. But listen, I'll put them on table. You want to put them on table? Bong. My black DCs, the infamous fat tongue. Laces only <laughs> through two holes. That's how you do it. Like, I'm skateboarding in 2002. Oh, my. You kick pushing it? No. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's the rule this is the rule is you have to show your kicks so, yeah let's go i mean Ollie right now who got a skateboard right I, now i got my godfather socks on oh i got the the no show ankle joints so you can see my tattoos on the ankle Look. shout out to my harry potter deathly hollows tattoo on the right ankle next time i put that on the table I'm telling you this is about you to know be about segment. this i'm this straight is, nerd cultured out 
between the kicks <laughs> and the Harry Potter tattoo. Look, we got a combat sports podcast, and we got like a, we're gonna have a sneaker segment with like tattoos <laughs> and anime. And people that are gonna listen to this, we're recording at the Blue Wire Studios. We're gonna start pumping this audio into the. Oh, they're, they're gonna, gonna be like, "Yo, no clue what, we're what? Talking about. what are these black nerds doing? Like, what is this? I came to listen to about fights and people getting punched in the face. We're talking about sneakers and nerd culture, beards, and, yeah, be- manicured beards. Like, what a show. Uh, we're not even gonna touch the topic of what you're doing after today's show, which may be a couple's <laughs> massage with a good friend of ours. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's a weird opening segment, but listen, we embrace it, yeah. and this is this is the part people love. This is what we got to open up with. But we didn't even come here to clown. I don't know how we started clowning. It was supposed to be. Do. It was supposed to be a. Serious topic. It's gonna to be a serious topic. I, I, man, I got smoked today <laughs> for a special for a special someone. Like a couple weeks ago was it Candace Owens, and she responded. Yeah. So she got smoked. She's still in your mentions. Or yeah. her people. Yeah, people still in my. It's yeah. like a the, the Candace Owens clown car of idiocy. It's a month straight. Yeah, they just don't stop. They but strong now, out there. Now we got another person who's not in my mentions yet, but I'm sure is going to block me sooner than later. Oh yeah, no, no doubt. Um, your block, you're getting blocked. Game is is strong. So before we get to that, since we've hinted towards it, let me tell everybody else what else is coming up on the show. Yes, Sunday was a boxing show, but it's a big boxing week. So we're going back to back. We're going to talk, now that the old man is here, about Fury Wilder week because we're in the midst of it. We're going to tell you what it's been like so far, what we expect from the weekend. If we expect some urban loitering to occur and go down this weekend, we'll also be talking about some of the announcements, Teofimo Lopez, Cambosis have a new home for their fight. I touched on the Triller Madness on Sunday. We're going to talk Crawford Porter. They have a press conference coming up this weekend. Gervonta Davis just booked his new fight against Roly Romero. If you don't know who Roly is, don't worry about it. You're not, <laughs> you're not in the minority there. But you'll catch your attention with some of the stuff he says, and he's a character. So Gervonta announced his next fight. We'll talk about that more in depth. We'll give our official predictions for Fury Wilder 3 this weekend. And we'll talk about what if Tyson Fury loses? What if Deontay Wilder loses? Where do they go from here? So tons of stuff to get to later in the, in the podcast in terms of fighting, in terms of boxing, what we're supposed to be talking about. But we're starting this off because, Dre, as soon as we saw this, you text me like, yo, this got to be in the show. Yeah, well, I mean, blame Corey Erdman. Yeah, because he's the one who <laughs> dropped it in our group chat. If yep. y'all don't know, Curly Ehrman's fantastic writer, uh, good friend of ours. He's part of the Reverse Rat Pack, but he sniffs out a lot of dirt on people. This wasn't necessarily Guy's a wizard not, with yeah. with <laughs> looking stuff up on Google. Yo, if you want to find where in the world is Carmen Sandiego, Corey Ehrman's gonna find Carmen he's Sandiego. Guy. Yeah, so he dropped this in the chat of some of you that have heard by now. Sage Steele was, appeared on Jay Cutler's show. It seems like a match made in hell, and she, I didn't even know he had a podcast. Like, like to be to be real, um, there's a new podcast popping up every day. By the way, if you're not down with Blue Wire, not down with anything, shout out to the squad. Yeah, <laughs> gang, 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 gang. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, so I guess he has a pod. Yeah, whatever it is. So Sage appears, and they got to talking about Barack Obama's blackness, which I first of all, I don't know why anybody's still having this conversation in 2021. Uh, for those who don't know, this is what Sage Steele said. Sage Steele said about Obama identifying as black. And I quote, I'm like, well, congratulations to the president. That's his thing. I think that's fascinating considering his black dad was nowhere to be found, but his white mom and grandma raised him. But hey, do you do you, I'm going to do me. 
All right. The voice, immaculate. First off, right. you know, just reading it in her tone is just, it took that quote to the next level. Safe steal. Yeah. <laughs> Two, the, we'll talk about the quote and everything. The best part of this whole saga is that the video of her getting her hair touched has recirculated. Yes. And I remember when that was a thing. I think we talked about it on the pod like we four did. years ago. We did. I was like, yo, you just, let, you just let someone touch your hair? Like on air? Like Shell Sonnen? She's like, oh, what is this? And he's just like knuckles deep in your fro, just, just clawing at you. Like, so I don't know Sage Steel personally. We both work at ESPN. Whatever, whatever. Got to say that to get this out of the way. But with the situation itself, I don't understand where that quote even comes from. Like how we talk about a lot of stuff on this show. We talk about current events. We talk about uh, you know take a toe into the po political game when that was happening last year. We talk about social issues all the time. We haven't talked Barack Obama on this show six years, five years, like. Barack just chilling. Like, yeah. he just caught a stray for no reason. He's somewhere on the beach. He might be in Hawaii. I don't even know where Barack chills right now. Chicago's too cold right now. So, you know, he got to get away. He's presidential. He's probably on the beach chilling, cigar in his mouth, like he's brawn after a playoff run, sipping a glass of wine. And they bring this to his attention. He's like, yo, what, what did I even do? Right. With. Why is his blackness in question? It reminds me of the whole stupid birth certificate thing that happened like a while ago. Like, where does this even come from? It's totally unnecessary. So, it's time for Andres to go in. I don't know. So, buckle. <laughs> so, Say Steel is questioning a black man identifying as black because his father wasn't in the picture. So, if we'll start with this if I happen to be Asian, but a white woman raised me, does that mean I'm white? I, because here's what happens. I was raised by my white grandmother. Yes. <laughs> I've talked about her plenty of She's times. She's a legend on this show. And my father was gone and my mother was gone. I didn't see them until much later in my life. I didn't identify as anything, as most kids don't. You know who identifies you? The world. The world tells you what you are to them. The world told me that I was the N-word. I met some kids that made a, a joke in third grade and I was so confused. They talked about my hair. They talked about my skin color. And then my grandmother came and picked me up, and they were really blown away, right? They thought it was some, they, they called me like uh, Webster, uh, Gary Coleman. That's not funny. It's not funny at all. No, no. But it is funny, right? Yeah, I like, mean, like kids are just so, it's. Kids are just reckless. They yeah. don't care. But they, they told me what I was to this world. And I had to ask my grandmother. And she was, you know, my grandmother was like, yeah, you know, we're all the same. I was like, no, we're not, because if we were the same, I wouldn't be getting called the N word because I didn't even know what it meant at the time. And now I have to acknowledge, like, I'm a black man in America, right? I didn't choose this. I was told this is what I was. I can guarantee, no matter who raised Barack Obama, when, if he got pulled over by the police or if he got met in the street, they would identify him as a black man. Nobody would be like, he's white with a really cool tan. They're not doing that. He's identified as a black man in America. No matter who raises you, unfortunately, in America, we're identified by the, our skin color, 100 features. 100%. Like, I... It's funny because I told someone, I met someone, I forgot who it was, like just a couple days ago, first time we met in person, and they were like, oh, you're from New York. I'm like, yeah, I'm from New York. They're just like, okay, like, how'd you get into boxing? 
I was like, oh, my grandma's a crazy little Puerto Rican lady. So I had boxing on my entire childhood since I was like two or three. They're like, you're Puerto Rican? Like, yeah, I'm half Puerto Rican. No one has ever asked me, oh, you're black? Right. Like, no, like they can see that I'm black. Like somewhere along the line, somebody in my family's black, hence I look like I look. People are shocked as hell when they find out I'm Puerto Rican. But you have to, you have to actively have to then tell them. You have to tell them. And then the next question, the follow-up question that bothers me, oh, you speak Spanish? Yes, I speak Spanish. I grew up in a Puerto Rican household. I learned Spanish before I learned English. Like, it's, Spanish is my first language. Yes, I speak Spanish. People are like, wow. And I'm just like, I don't know what the fascination is. So, yeah, no, but clearly that in retrospect tells me, oh, they saw me. I was like, oh, that's just a black dude. Right. So, so the other thing is, it's not like Obama identified as Irish, like a country of people. Black is a color. Yep. And you're told that you are black. If you're not white, you're like there's black Cubans, black yeah. Puerto Ricans, but they're identified as black. And then you have to ask them, hey, what are you? And they'll be like, I'm Dominican. But like when we get killed by the police and things like that happen, you think the cops have time to ask us, hey, man, are you mixed? Where's your white mother at? Like, nobody does that. So if, I, if Barack Obama identifies as black, it's because the world told him he was black. And for Sage Steele, a black woman who let a white man play in her hair and thought it was cute, she didn't, she didn't protect her temple to begin with. Yeah. She allowed her temple to get violated out of ignorance. Then, yeah. you know, forget Sage Steele. But to, to have this conversation in 2021 to ask why are people being identified as who they are, as what they are to other people, and then I have to take that on, like, I am black. Yes, my grandmother's Italian, but you will not find that out unless you have a conversation with me. Barack Obama's been identified as something, and now when he says, when he talked about Trayvon Martin, he said, that kid looks, could look like me. Yeah. That's true. You know what they look like? They look black. They look like they have melanin. There's no conversation. Like, what is he mixed with? So I wish Shades would shut the hell up. Furthermore, then we have, uh, uh, Jason Whitlock has Steve Kim, an Asian who doesn't doesn't believe in Asian hate. He was like he was like, oh, stop Asian hate is a complete facade. I mean, Steve Kim is tweeting about this as an Asian man in America. Oh God! But you I, have Jason again. Whitlock, who is the tap dancing this tap dancer in the world. We know where where I stand on Jason Whitlock. Google Kel Dansby Jason Whitlock if you need to know anything you need to know about that. It is in print, and so, and that statement and that quote stands. So they have Steve Kim on the show, and Steve Kim says Sage went there. And sometimes when you go there, you can lose your job. Now, here's the thing I kind of agree with. Kind of. Say Steele shouldn't lose her job for what she said. She should be allowed to have stupid, ignorant comments. I should also be allowed to flambe her ass when she has stupid and ignorant comments. I should be allowed that same space to say that was dumb and ignorant. You shouldn't be canceled. Y'all know I don't. Cancel culture is silly to me because nobody really gets canceled. We're, I mean, you know, the baby's out here back in the street, toy lane. There's a platform for everybody. Yeah, and like, some, yeah, some people you just don't mess with. R. Kelly, he's not canceled. He's incarcerated. Yeah. It's a whole, it's a whole different world, right? I don't listen to his music. That's yeah. that. Sure. I don't call it being canceled. You all know what I said. I don't fuck with you no more. That's my thing. So Sage, I don't like her. I don't like her opinions, but she should have the right to have them as long as they're not, like, outwardly racist. If she was calling people, like, N-words or if she was you know, using uh, slanderous terms for the LBGTQ community, then yes, absolutely. That's, that's completely different. But her opinion on, on this shouldn't get her canceled or fired. I agree with that. But now it's become this thing where 
Steve Kim and Jason Willock, they had a power. I was like, ah, she can't say it. She's telling the truth. What she said was not the truth. What she said was an opinion that a lot of people disagree with. And now that crowd is enabling Jason Whitlock, the Sage Steels. Uh, who else was on that damn panel? There's a bunch of fools on that panel. Yeah, I don't. Bro, Emmanuel was, Ochoa, was he on the panel? He might have. There was three black dudes and, and Steve Kim. Yeah, and it was like. And it, everyone was just nodding. Yeah, not it's like all right. Politely to his words, and I was just like, Couldn't be I me. don't no. Like that, that's what's most baffling to me about this situation. You know, again, I'm not here to talk about Sage or whatever it is. But the platform in which this is being discussed, if you have differing opinions, I'm not hating on that. There is a time, a place, and a platform for everything. If you are, for some reason, wanting to talk the degrees of blackness, if this is what you woke up and you're like, yo, you know what? I'm here to talk the 50 shades of blackness today. And this is your goal in life. Cool beans. But you better sit down and talk that talk with 50 shades of black people. Right. Because I'm not going to speak as a black man on LGBTQ issues as though I am knowledgeable, as though I am an authority or on anyone else's podcast without someone of that community or multiple people from that community present. Because I can't tell you how trans you are or what you identify as exactly. or the difference between gay or um, the spectra or bi or anything else. I can't tell you why you identify as that or where you fall on that scale. And even if, I'm, if I was part of that community, I can't just, because she is a black woman, but she identifies differently than other people. Why would you talk about how Barack identifies on a podcast with Jay Cutler, who I, I don't listen to his other shows, but what the hell is he even supposed to say? I, I kind of feel bad for Jay Cutler. Because, like, as wonder, a white guy, like, you just, you're there and you're just like, yo, I can't tell her to stop talking about blackness because that's not my place. If I agree with her talking about this person isn't black, what the hell am I going to do? He just sat there nodding, like, okay. Like, he was in a very uncomfortable spot. I don't know where he stands to this day because he was just like, he said nothing. He just let her go off the cliff. Like, sooner or later, you just got to, like, look at her and be like, yo, let's move on. Because that's not the platform for that. If you want to get together and not, not a bunch of Whitlocks, because she could have said that same shit, take Steve Kim out, went to Whitlock's show, said the same thing. Everyone would have been like, oh, okay, yeah. Just nodding stupidly in the background, too. Get to a platform. You do panels all the time. Of course. South by panels. There's... Um, NABJ, there's panels. Cool, get together with a bunch of mixed race people, people who are black. That, that's not a struggle that you alone have. People grow up all the time not knowing their identity or not feeling a connection because maybe someone's dad isn't there. And he's black and so you harbor some feelings inside. And you'd be like, oh, you know, my other half stayed and I have that culture and everything. Cool, I don't eat grits because I didn't grow up eating grits. Like I... I Flambe grits all the time. I yeah. roast people. I, really people hate yeah, my takes on grits. They don't taste like none. No, don't mix salt, eggs. Who puts eggs and like bacon and hey, stuff? Hey, hey, stop. Nonetheless. Cut it out. I, 
I could I do that, but I understand because I didn't grow up eating that. I didn't grow up with that in my household. I grew up with arroz con leche. I grew up with different things, Puerto Rican things. It's cool, but that doesn't mean that I judge my blackness off of that or other people's blackness off of that. And she wasn't in a place where someone could tell her, like, yo, Sage, you bugging. Or, yo, by the way, I understand why you feel like that. Like, cool, his dad wasn't around. Do you have, like, some of that trauma in your past? Like, if you don't identify with this, okay, we get you. This is a safe space. We get you. But this is also why you can't make blanket statements or for people like Whitlock to be like, yo, this is the truth. No, this is why you can't do that. And you got to have other people around. We talk about that all the time. You got to have minorities in the room if you're making decisions on any large scale because you're, you're trying to tell stories that you know nothing about. So you got to have someone in the room and be like, yeah, that's not it. No. She, she doesn't have that. And this podcast and the platform was the wrong place for the convo because Jay Culler couldn't say shit to stop it once it got off the rail. So, so the other thing is, Say said what she said, and while I don't believe in a vacuum she should be suspended or anything, my bigger issue is that Jamel Hill was fired and suspended. So it was good for the goose, is good for the gander. So if she does get it, I understand. It's just, once again, if you're going to say it, say it in front of those people, right? Pull up on me and say that. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just, it's an invitation, right? Like, it's an invitation. Pull up on me, say I'm not black because my grandmother raised me. And they, they said something weird also. Steve Kim said, those, those kind of black people eradic want to eradicate the whiteness in their life. And I'm like, no, I love my grandmother. Like, that's crazy. Once you say those people, you people. Hey, man. Like, you say those people. I, I know this was, like, conducted through Zoom, but I'm not sure if anyone's ever been slapped through Zoom conference call. But we, we would have had to figure out a button or some type of, like, measure to make this happen. Because as soon as he said, those black, excuse me? Yeah, we, I mean, you got to <laughs> shut like, down. That, that would have been it. You got to shut down. So, so, you know, so we can move on to the rest of the show. It's, it's, say still, yes, you may have grown up with mixed, as a mixed race woman. Never speak on another person's blackness because of who raised them. That has nothing to do with how the world sees you and identifies you. The world identified me for what I was, and it was a shock to me. And yes, it, it made me wonder, like, hey, man, why am I different? Uh, people know, like several years ago, I asked, when was the first time you met racism? Yeah, that was a good Twitter thread. Because I asked that question, because I want people who are not of, who don't have melanin to understand. It's like, we didn't wake up one morning and be like, yo, black, we're black. Somebody told us that they, we couldn't play with their friends or we couldn't shop here or we were followed in a store. We didn't come into this world asking for this. We were told what we were. We were treated a certain way. We found out we were different because you told us we were different. And for Sage Steele to sit there and suggest, well, I guess, you know, I find it fascinating. Ain't shit fascinating about it. This is the world we live in. Interesting that you mentioned that because it got me thinking. Because there's people who agree with us, obviously. Of course. Willux as well. Yeah. But there's people in her mentions like, oh, go Sage. C Candace Owens, I'm sure, was like, uh, yes. Yeah, like there's, there's people like that. And it makes me wonder because I don't have an answer to this. So I, I just ask it aloud. I wonder how many people haven't had that moment. They haven't had the, yo, I am now really confronted with race oh, and what yeah. I am. And I didn't grow up, because some of us grow up in diverse areas. 
in any fashion. I grew up in New York. There was three white kids in my entire elementary school. But they didn't really see race. Like, when you're in elementary school, like, they were chilling with everybody, blah, blah, blah. But I'm sure as they grew up and all their friends were black or Spanish and everyone in the community is black or Spanish, and then they probably dated a black or a Spanish woman, and then you take her out of your community and you see how people now look at you guys as a couple or something. And there's all regards until race hits you. And you'd be like, yo, I think I am white. Or like, yo, I am Italian. Or I am Jewish and then I got a black. Like, and so race hits you in many different forms. I wonder if some people just haven't been hit by that. You, it may be very possible you can reach 48 years old and be completely sheltered. Yeah, they're insulated. The people are, there are people that are insulated to racial issues. Or they experience them and go the other way. It happens, right? Like you, if you're raised by a certain group, people have a different train of thought and you are confronted with something, you know, there is the good black, right? Yeah, talk about I, that all the time. I've dealt with it. Yeah. Shit, my grandmother called me the good black, yeah. right? Which is crazy, right? Which a lot of people are going to start shitting on my grandma. But it is what it is, how I grew up. We know about your grandma on this show. Yeah, yeah. Let's but <laughs> there are people who have been insulated from that. But it's like, I, when we talk about gun control, do I have to be shot to know that, hey, man, we might need to control these guns, right? Like, we might need to control all these, these school shootings. I haven't been in a school shooting, but that doesn't mean they don't exist. Racism exists. We see it all the time, and all people do is deny it. Like, ah, like Lil Wayne said, I've never experienced racism. Okay, good for you. You've been rich since you were like 13. Right, good for you, but the rest of the world has. And we've had dialogue about this. And I, I, it's not a matter of us coming out and say, kill Whitey. That's not what's happening here. People are saying, hey, man, I'm tired of getting, you know, my kids getting killed. Or I'm tired of being profiled. Or I'm tired of this. And eventually it turns into anger. And that's why we have protests and things of that nature. Because yep. eventually you want to be heard. That's one of the things, like, when I took my daughters, um, I guess my son was with me too. When I took the kids out, when there was the protest and Black Lives Matter and everything, I took them out to several protests. The inclusion and diversity of those protests were so amazing to see. Because you go out there and there, there were, I'm not going to lie, I went to a protest, it was like 65% white people. Yeah. And it was amazing. Like everyone who is just there to listen, to understand, and they got their own problems too. But they're like, yo, I care about your problems. And you're not saying, there was no like, oh, you hate me, you hate that. No, like there was no like stupidness. It was like, oh no, I care about your problems. Because... Guess what? If we fix your problems today, when it gets to fixing my problems, you're going to be there for me and we just care and there's this empathy. And whatever the problem is today, we are going to fix that because we're fixing one problem at a time. And we're trying to fix this for all of us together. And it, it's crazy to think that, yeah, some people who are in the thick of it are just like, nah, that doesn't exist or there isn't racism. And I've seen it way too many times where people are then Fortunately or unfortunately, put in positions secondhand where then they learn their lesson. They can go through and be like, yo, that doesn't exist. And I, I know many of black people like that. Like, no, if you just don't cross the cops, you don't do anything wrong in life, you're never going to get pulled over. You're never going to get handcuffed. You're never going to face any of this if you just do what's right. Like black people, and, it's, and I'm like, cool. And then their kid gets in trouble at school, 16, 17, or there's a school, it happened in a specific situation, it was a school fight, and the kid gets handcuffed and pepper sprayed, 
a black kid, goes to a predominantly white school here in Vegas. He gets handcuffed and pepper sprayed. His other teammates do not. The parents, then the teammates have to explain to these school campus officers, yo, no, he's, he's on our side. He's with us. He was in the right. And plead with the officers to let him go. But they were all fighting. They had to plead with him be like, no, he wasn't the people we were fighting against. He's with us for an hour. And then the parents are up in arms. It's crazy. Like, oh, why? Oh, I can't believe the cops did this. I can't. All oh, this. Uh, that's on. Well, you don't need that force. It's like, oh, okay. So why did they do that? And then it's radio silence. Yeah. Now we have, a, now we have to have a new conversation. So, I mean, you know, we can move on to combat sports here in a second. I, I just want to say, like, I need people to stop being stupid because there's people that jump in my mentions like, you hate white people. No, one of my best men on win was Shake, and he's white. And it yeah, had nothing to do with, you know what I hate? I hate stupid people. <laughs> I hate ignorant people. Don't be off. Like, that's what I hate. I hate people unwilling to listen. I hate people who, who say, make blanket statements about a group of people. Like, I listen to conservatives. I listen to anybody, if you can back it up. Yeah. If you just make dumbass claims, I don't like you because you're stupid or you're ignorant. And even Candace Owens isn't stupid. But she's pandering to an audience of idiots. And she knows where bread is buttered. Same with Jason Whitlock. I said it yesterday on Twitter. I was like, yo, there has to come to a point in time when you'd be like, I've been tap dancing for 27 years. I got a lot of money from tap dancing. My feet tired. Yeah, maybe I should stop tap dancing. But I think Jason Whitlock really enjoys tap dancing. Some people believe their own gimmick. Or maybe they're just that way. And yeah. culture's the same way. It's like At a certain point, I was like, yo, Ann, you can't believe all this shit so you're saying. You work yourself into a shoot? Right? Like, that's just... Ain't no turning back, right? It is, it is what it is. Like, sometimes you, you're stuck. Not everybody... It's a horrible analogy for the conversation. But not everybody's an undertaker. Not everyone has an American badass face. Some people are just stuck in the same gimmick, right? Like, sometimes you just can't change. You find something that works, and it gets you paid, and then you're scared to death to show growth, because what if? What if Jason Whitlock woke up tomorrow and was like, Yo, I had the most enlightened conversation with Andreas Hale. And I, and I get this. I Yo. get it now. I get the struggle. I get what our people have gone through. I understand. Kaepernick was right. <laughs> what, what if he said he'd be scared to death that'd be his last dollar? Yeah, he'd be cut short. Like, he's built his brand off of that. Like, like, sometimes you stuck. Yeah, sometimes. All right, we, we got to move on. To the yeah. Box. We'll be here all day. <laughs> Let's hit the break. Thank you for entertaining us, everyone. When we come back, Fury Wilder three-week. Got to dive into everything about it with the old man. Don't go anywhere. Be right back after this. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here at Blue Wire Studios in the Wynn Hotel. We are back from the break, talking Fury, Wilder, Fight Week. Man, it, we're midway through the week now. I need to catch my second win. I'm going to be honest. Like, I, I've, I hit the point already with Grand Arrivals being on Tuesday, having the presser yesterday. Um, 
the most interesting thing said at the presser came from Bob Arum and not the people on stage. But I feel like Thursday is like the lull. We get to record the show. We get to talk about it. And then Friday it builds up. Saturday it builds up. And then Saturday night, the beauty of Deontay Wilder, and we'll get into this, you know, on the second segment, but the beauty of Wilder is no matter what we saw last time, no matter what we think we've seen already this week, he always has a chance to win. Always. Because that right hand is unmatched. Hey, hey he, I liken him to a uh, special player named Joey Gallo. <laughs> it's all or nothing. He's all or nothing. Don't I break mean, my Yankees' heart. Right well, they already have their hearts broken. That's, it's over. The Yankees are I'm home. still mourning. <laughs> yeah, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. See, but but that's, that's the beauty of Deontay Wilder. He always has a puncher's chance. He's the epitome of a puncher's chance. Yep. The living embodiment of a puncher's chance. Uh, yeah, this has been a... An interesting fight. What have you seen from the two fighters since they've arrived? Because we were at what it grand arrivals. I was following it around, doing social stories. I was in the locker room, both room. You were in the locker room with both of them, interviewing them. You nice little picture walking with Deontay Wilder. You know, humble brag. Yeah, you got the interview with Tyson Fury as well. After that, what do you take away from their demeanor early on in fight week? Maybe that was even different than. The last fight, the second fight they had. Yo, I, okay, so I spent time with Deontay first, right? And I was the only one that was back there in, in the room. He was doing, he did a few Zoom interviews, and then it was me and him walking. And I asked him, not even about the excuses. I just asked him about, when did you know something was wrong? Because you've talked about energy, because I, I don't feel like getting to the excuses, because I think it's been being... Yeah. He, he, the problem is he believes this, He's right? still sticking by it. He, he believes, doubled and tripled down. He believes that Fury loaded his gloves. Yes. He believes that Mark Breland spiked his water. He believes that, uh, his, well, he said his, his bicep was injured. Okay. He believes that there was a conspiracy for him to lose. Yes. He be, what else? There's, there's more. He uh, believe, the ref uh, he, was in on it. Yes. The commission. He, he believes the suit was too heavy. He believes all these things. Yo, that suit was stupid big, though. Like, if there is an ex the suit was too heavy. I don't know how much it weighed into everything. No pun intended. But look, look, if you stuck with one excuse and just was like, uh, and not the Breland thing. The Breland, Breland saved your the life. The gloves. You can do the gloves because, and it happens in all Fury fights. Like, if you go back and watch Tyson Fury fights, he's just unorthodox, right? But there's other people who fight the same way. He does do, like, this weird floppy backhand jab. Yeah. So his gloves, because he's a gigantic man, or gigantic gloves, and he understands that gloves that size, because the weight is all the same, but the size of the glove, he understands, yo, there's a lot of surface area on here. And he understands how to kind of cheat the game. And when he throws a hook instead of hitting you with just the little part on his knuckles, no, nah, he'll flop the whole thing in your grill. And you're just getting stocked and slapped yeah. by a giant glove. But, so he knows how to play the game. But there's visual proof of that. You can do screen grabs. You can, do every, you can blame the gloves. Somehow he did have a dent on the side of his head. That's just from getting mollywopped. Just but, like he yeah. said it was an egg weight in the glove. And JD's was in there when you're getting your hands wrapped. There were people in that locker room when you're getting your, like I was in the locker room chilling. Did you see an egg weight? There was no egg weight. I, I was so, chilling. The man was singing while he was getting his hands wrapped. So, so here's the thing, right? So as I'm walking with Deontay, I asked about energy. And he was like, I was like, was it fight night? And he was like, no, it was like the middle of the week where I felt like something was wrong. And in my head, I said, why didn't you just say that? From the beginning, why didn't Deontay Wilder say, I, it was a bad week. I had a bad night. 
a lot of things went wrong. I can't pinpoint it, but it's a multitude of things. I think people have been more accepting of, hey, man, you had a bad day at the office. Yeah. That's fair. You had a bad day at the office. You got beat up. You got embarrassed. Now, the thing we talked about was like, you lost, but the bigger story here is you have the opportunity for a redemption song. Everybody likes a comeback story. Boxing's Mah- built off of it. Muhammad Ali lost to Joe Frazier. Muhammad Ali was supposed to get skunked by George Foreman. Muhammad Ali has losses, yep. and he's come back from just about all of them until the end of his career. And that's a bigger story than being undefeated. Why didn't you just say, I'm going to get mine? He had, he had a better night of the office than me. I'm going to come back and get mine. But he didn't say it. He'd give us every excuse, which this is where the issue is. If you are not accountable for losing a fight, like if me and you are playing a game, spades, how about that? <laughs> and I believe you're hiding spades, right? Like you, you keep, you and your teammate keep whooping us. And I'm like, yo, you just got to be hiding cards. And if I keep believe that, that means I don't believe I need to get better than you. You just need to stop cheating. Yeah. And that's how I'll beat you. Deontay Wilder believes that, even though he keeps saying like reinvention and all that stuff, in his heart, he believes that if Fury cheated, all I have to do is do me and prevent him from cheating, and I can beat him. The problem with that is, three rounds into the fight, if the same thing is happening again, then you realize, oh, damn, I'm just getting whooped. Yep, he wasn't cheating. And he will mentally check out if that happens. You're asking of him something I'm not sure he's capable of, and that is accountability. <laughs> no. Because if you have that accountability and you understand that it's just a bad week, you are 100% confident coming back into this third fight that it was just a bad week. The excuses come when you aren't sure, even on your best week, what will happen. And that's what the excuses are there for. Because in the first fight, that was 100% Deontay Wilder. That was 60% still big boy Tyson Fury coming back after being 400, coming, you know, cutting the weight, all this stuff. Said he wasn't even in shape. He definitely wasn't in shape like he was this last time. And he looks in pretty good shape this time. Not as yoked as he was last time, but he looks in really good shape. So you're telling me 100% you could not be 60% him. And Deontay's like, damn, that's kind of rough. He took my best shot twice at 60%, and then beat me in every other round. I went back and watched that fight. That night, I was like, a draw, perfect. Four rounds to eight, two 10-8 rounds, it's a draw. They got it right. I went back and watched that fight. The only rounds Deontay Wilder won is the rounds where he knocked Tyson Fury down. And the 12th is questionable as a 10-8. Right. Because Fury got up and started putting the paws on. So that was a 10-9 round in my mind. So now Wilder's like, yo, not only did I hit him with everything, celebrate. He got up and put it on me. If this was old school, talking about Ty, you're talking about uh, Ali, you're talking about Foreman, Frazier, they went 15. How many rounds, how many times Ali won in the 14th? In the 15th. If this was 15, Wilder gets stopped in the first fight. Yeah. So Wilder then, the second fight was just an extension of what we saw in the 12th round. Fury eating the right hand, pressuring him and bullying him. Wilder was out in seven, almost in five. This time, I think Deontay Wilder knows it's only getting worse. I wish Deontay Wilder, honestly, Fury took the opportunity. 
I'm not sure, I don't think I've seen Wilder on there. Would have went and talked to Mike Tyson on Tyson's show. Because Tyson went through the same exact thing with Evander. The mystique was gone after the first fight. Evander ate everything Tyson had. And Tyson going into the second fight was like, I'm unloading. And if that first one wasn't a fluke, I ain't got shit else to pull out. And he bit the ear. He did every. He was a desperate man because he knew, yo, the first one wasn't a fluke. He, he's just better than me. And I think Deontay would have been served really well by talking to Tyson and being like, what, do you, what should you have done differently? What mentally? Because you went, you trained. Tyson wasn't fresh out of prison anymore. He wasn't fighting cans. You had the time. I think he had nine, eight, nine, ten months in between fights. You had the time to train, get your body where you want to be. All the excuses Tyson did have to, all those were gone. But it went even worse. Where did you mess up? And Deontay didn't. Deontay, what I saw this week was, he didn't search for people who were going to tell him the truth and make him better. He got rid of all of those people and got yes men who surround him with love. Love is, he's all, oh, the whole camp is love. My whole team is love. They're just telling you what you want to hear, and you interpret it as love. That's like a girl in high school with a boyfriend. I'm in love. No, this little high school football quarterback is just telling you whatever you want to hear. Probably get in your pants. I don't know. It's high school. <laughs> but, like, there's a difference between that and love. That's not love. That's surrounding yourself with people who say what you want them to say. And that's where Deontay is now. And that's scary. He didn't, he didn't talk to anyone who was going to shoot him straight at all. So piggyback on that, first of all, the, the comparison to Tyson, I was going to get to that. I'm glad you brought that up. But So I, I get with Tyson afterwards, and me and Tyson are walking. Now, Evan Korn, works for Top Rank, tells me, Tyson's done a lot of interviews today, so he might be burnt out. I said, Tyson. So we're walking. I said, uh, acceptance and accountability. And he stops, and I go, that's usually what you need to get past mental health issues. You need to accept that something's wrong, be accountable for self-destructive behavior. That way you can fix what went wrong. Do you see some kind of mental health struggle in Deontay Wilder? And that's, and it lit him up. Because he was like, when I was going through what I went through, I was in denial. So I used substances to dull the pain. Yep. And it, I gained 400 pounds, I did cocaine, lost my boxing license. Everything was wrong, but I was blaming everybody else. Until one day I said, there's nobody left to blame. It was me. The drugs didn't do this to me. The food didn't do this to me. I, there's something wrong with me. Deontay's not willing to accept that the better man beat him and be accountable for his actions in the ring that night. If it was the suit, you chose that suit. Nobody told you to wear that suit. <laughs> nobody said, hey, Deontay, it was a cool suit. It, the entrance was great. Oh, no, it was dope. D-Smoke yeah. did black habits. I thought it was incredible. Yep. But that was your decision. The, the fight that you fought, that was your decision. You lost. He's not accountable. And, De and Tyson said, I could get Deontay help because I see similar things in him that I saw in myself. Granted, vastly different journeys. Yeah. But if a man's not willing to accept that the better man beat him, what do you do to fix the problems? The other thing that you mentioned was very clear. The person that saved your life, you fired. Easy. Mark Breland... Not only did you fire him for throwing in the towel, because let's be honest, you weren't coming back in that fight. 
the, you unnecessary had no damage. Enough. You you were taking a lot of punishment. You were bleeding from the ear. Your you said it. Your legs weren't there from the beginning. It was clear to your corner that you had no chance to win. All yeah. you were going to take was punishment. Mark Breland said, "All right, enough is enough," and threw in the towel. And you blamed him. You said, "I told you to go out on my shield." Nah, man, you're getting whooped. Live to fight another day. Got a rematch clause. Like we we need you to have some semblance of of a brain by the time we get to this rematch. Like, you just can't take another half of the fight beating. Yeah, so if, if that's the case, if you're mad at Mark Breland for throwing in the towel, all right, fine, you can be upset. You want to be a warrior. But you fired him. He's like, well, you know, if I worked at, like, a grocery store and you didn't listen to me, you'd be fired, right? But that's, that's, you have a boss mentality. These are your trainers. These are your people that are teaching you how to fight and trying to save your life. You're blaming them. So not only did you fire him, the next thing you said was, he spiked my water. Now, what benefit does Mark Breland have conspiring for you to lose? Because the third fight's happening anyway. That's his money. Like, he doesn't want you to lose. It's not like he got a stable of fighters. Literally, Mark Breland's cash cow at that time is Deontay Wilder and his success. Why is is he sabotaging? So, okay, so now you blame Mark Breland. So it means not only was Tyson cheating, not only was the suit too heavy, your own corner wanted you to lose, so you fired him. So t- when I talked to Tyson about that, he said he wants yes men around him because nobody's going to tell him what's wrong. And we all know this. Like, you're a father. I'm a father. If you allow your kid, you give it, like your kid's bad in school, and the teacher's like, hey, man, uh, your daughter was acting up. And you go, that's your fault. That's not my daughter's fault. And you never hold your daughter accountable. And then they grow up to be like 18 years old, and they're like terrorizing the world. Yep. You know what I'm saying? They're like robbing banks. You know, whatever it is that they're doing, and then you go, whose fault is that? It's your fault. You, got, you have to hold that child accountable because now that child is going to be what the child is, which is what Deontay is. He's a grown child at this point who's just looking for people to basically advocate for him to be an idiot. I wonder what happens. Let's, theoretically, we get into the fifth round. It's going like the last fight went. Does Malik Scott throw in the towel? No, he doesn't. Wilder's new trainer. He's, he's a yes man. What you said about the, the Holyfield Tyson 2 is exactly what I see happening here if Wilder can't get him out of here to three to four rounds. There will be a clinch. Wilder will do something. He's going to get warned for something because he's going to be frustrated. Yeah. A headbutt, something, something crazy. Yeah, because at, Low at this blow. Point, the Low w- blow is usually the way to go. They've been working a lot of body work. Yeah. I can see like the, the left slipping a little too low. The ref's like, hey. And then he throws another one, and then... Yeah, so it's like, if Wilder can't get him out of there with the punch that he's relied on for his entire career, he's going to have a mental breakdown. And the worst part about it is, like in football, if your quarterback's having a bad game, you call a timeout. Bring it in. Hey, let's get somebody else in here. Oh, you're not running the ball well. Hey, here's a timeout. Ain't no timeouts in boxing. You're in a fight. Yeah. You, it's, it's life or death at this point. So if Deontay finds himself a minute into the fourth round, and Fury's beating him up, he's going to get desperate and look for a way out. So I have concerns. Does Wilder have an opportunity to win? Absolutely. A man with that much dynamite in his hands can knock out anybody on any given night. But I think Fury just has more ways to win, and Wilder is unwilling to accept the fact that he lost to a better man, and he hasn't trained a lick of defense. What are you defending out here? No defense. I've seen so much film from his camp this time. No defense at all. And he sparred for like three weeks. All the postponements, all the everything. The man has only sparred for like three weeks. But I guess like he's known for not wanting to spar. Like it's not his thing. I, honestly, we know what he could do with his right hand. 
We know that he's backed people down his entire career. He's always moving forward. I'm not sure Deontay Wilder likes to get hit. No, he doesn't. It's evident he doesn't like to get hit. Yeah, and it's that thing where Tyson hit him at the end of the first fight, in the 12th round. I think Tyson Fury saw it. This guy isn't a fighter. He is a puncher who is happy collecting checks, throwing punches. When you hit him, he doesn't want to be there. No. And he just he changed trainers, went to Kronk. He's like, Kronk, I can dodge everybody. I can do all this. Teach me how to hit him. Like the great Emmanuel Stewart did for years. Teach me how to hit him and walk him down. And lo and behold, Tyson Fury was right. Tyson Fury's fight IQ is his best, his best, best attribute. When it calls for fighting Klitschko, made it the ugliest fight I've ever seen in my life. Yep. But he knew I have to do this to beat Klitschko. He didn't get dropped like Anthony Joshua did. It wasn't a firefight. Dominated every round of that fight. I have to do this. I get this person to teach me how to do that. I win. Same thing with Kronk. I have to do this to be Wilder. This is what I have to do. He's a master planner before the fight. So on fight night, you go in the locker room with Fury. He's laughing. He's joking. Him and his brother, to steal a phrase from MMA, are playing touch butt. Like, uh, they're, they're just hanging out. They're having a good time. Everyone, there's, he's so loose before fights. And that's because he's thought it all through. He knows exactly what he's going in to do. And I think Wilder, and I say this all the time before that second fight, when I was in the locker room with Wilder, he showed up three and a half hours early, which in boxing is a little strange. But whatever, they had to do some camera press in the thing before the fight. He paced the entire time. He sat down maybe for 20 minutes. The rest of the time, walking, end to end of the locker room, this end, that end, pacing, 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 pacing. When he says he got to the ring and he had no legs, I'm like, yeah, my guy, like I just saw you for three hours walking. I don't know if he has a Fitbit or his iPhone tracker on, whatever it is, but your steps are incredible right now. You're, you're hitting some type of milestone. Like Apple is giving you like a little emoji guy that pops up. And he's like, congratulations. Like he walked a marathon in the back, put on a suit that was another 60 pounds, and then walked. It was dumb far from the locker room to the ring. Walked the entire way. They're like, hey, Deontay, do you want a golf cart? No, I'm fine. Walked. They stayed in the MGM that night. Walked from his room down through the casino so a trail of fans could follow him all the way through, through the little press entrance, down into the locker room. My guy, you have no legs. You just had four boxing match equivalents of movement. I'm not shocked. And it was the nerves that caused that. I'm not sure anything Malik Scott can do in training can help ease the nerves. No. How about this? All right. So we've all been on the basketball court. There's that one kid that shoots lights out as we're preparing for the game. Warm-ups. Oh, he's knocking down three-pointers. But you put a defender in his face, he doesn't know what to do. Yep. You put a defender in his face, he can't get them shots off. 
Usually he can do this because, you know, he runs off of screens. It's like, all right, cool. Like Steph Curry learned how to shoot with hands in his face. There's adaptability that you have to have. When we talk about the best fighters in the world, at a certain point, your corner can do nothing for you. Yep. Floyd Mayweather is a perfect example. That Roger, when he was there, Floyd Sr., whoever's in his corner, didn't matter. As the fight went on, Floyd was like, I see what you're doing. I'm downloading information. Now I'm learning how to apply it. I know how to adjust on the fly. No problem. Tyson Fury does the same thing. The reason why he's so loose, it's not a game plan. He knows what he wants to do, but in his head, it, there's, there is no thinking. You know, like there's a lot of people that can fight without thinking. Yep. But if you have to think while you're fighting, that gives you a split second to get knocked out where everything changes. Wilder's never had to adjust. He's relied so heavily on that right hand that he, eventually his opponent's going to walk into it. Yep. And usually it does happen. If, you don't, if you're not great defensively, you got a guy who's what, 6'7", 6'6"? Six, 6'6", six? Six, six, yep. yeah. You're Solid. Gonna, yeah, you're going to catch that right hand. You're yep. going to get knocked out. But Tyson Fury makes adjustments. Like when we talk, we didn't get to talk, because I wasn't here about the Alexander Usyk, Anthony Joshua fight. Anthony Joshua did make an adjustment in that fight, but then Usyk adjusted with Joshua. With that, yep. And then Joshua was like, uh-oh, I don't know what to do. Now, the other problem was Rob McCracken was in Joshua's corner, and Rob McCracken should have said, you need to be more aggressive. At, at a certain point, that's what your corner does. Your corner says, I know what you can do, and I see what you're not seeing right now. Be more aggressive. Walk him down. Throw the right hand. Yep. If you're not throwing the right hand, that's your best weapon. Throw the right hand. The but body work was incredible. Went away from the body. Yeah, it's like, but AJ made adjustments, but Usyk adjusted with those adjustments. Yep. Now you're in trouble. Deontay doesn't make any adjustments. No. What's, what's, what's Malik Scott going to tell him if, if something doesn't work? Throw the right hand again. Hit him. I've heard corners say this. They get in the corners, like they wave the, the, the towel in front of him. Hey, man, you got to hit him. Great advice. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I didn't know I had to do that. Right? I didn't, I didn't know how to do that. Now, in baseball, you have a catcher and you have your pitcher. Catcher has signs. Pitcher decides what he wants to throw and what, what he doesn't want to throw. This is all based on numbers and everything else, who you're dealing with at the plate. If the guy at the plate doesn't know how to adjust to your fastball off a changeup, ah, chances are you're going to get a couple of those after the changeup. You're going to get an off-speed pitch. Right? But the pitcher understands that the, the catcher is calling the signs and he's waving them off. He's deciding what he wants to do. In boxing, there is your corner in between those rounds. At least with a pitcher, each pitch, yeah. you get to make a decision. In boxing, it's a minute and you can't adjust. We, like, you've done cardio. Two minutes of cardio is a long time. Well, a three-minute round is forever. Especially when you're getting beat up. Oh, yeah. And it's just when you get rocked, like two, I'd say at like the 230 mark or like 30 seconds into the round, and you got to survive two th- it's a whole different world. A whole different world. People try to clinch. Um, Wilder, that happened, he never recovered. The first time he got rocked, he never recovered. He was never able to slow his breathing down. He got back to the corner, never slowed his breathing down, never adjusted. The corner never gave him, like you said, any info to be like, okay, listen, our game plan was this. You're a little woozy. For a round, we have to just circle away from him. He's walking you down. You're trying to step into it. No, no, that was the game plan before you were woozy. Now you got to circle the ring, buy some time, clear your head, and then we can get back to the game plan. No one told him. And I have no faith personally that Malik Scott is going to be that guy to tell him these things. Or, as you pointed out, for Deontay to listen. That's, that's the thing. He fired the guy who tried to help 
what do you tell a man who's paying you and now has this boss complex? Because the, the best fighter trainer relationships are partnerships. Exactly. I, I'm not your employee. We are a team. I, it doesn't matter. If I tell you something, we are a team. You have to take that into account. NFL players, every sport, people make more than the coaches. The coaches tell them what to do. I don't care. Yes, if you guys suck, I'm getting fired as a coach. But you're still listening to me. That doesn't mean you have anything over me. And Wilder doesn't understand that. So with this fight, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Again, just like you said, the only way I think of him winning is landing the right hand. That's it. If you can land the right hand, cool. If someone's betting on Wilder and they bet anything other than Wilder by KO, you're throwing away money. You're throwing away, like, Just, look. if you're going to bet Wilder, bet Wilder by KO, and if we go even bet Wilder KO under seven. That's it. That's it. Wilder's not going to score a late knockout. No. Because I think his, his temperament is not going to allow him to be in the fight that long. Right? So, it's, yes, it's Wilder by knockout. Fury went any way he wants. Yep. If he wanted to frustrate Wilder and, and beat him up for 12 rounds. Definitely could. And then dare the corner to stop it, which I think he's going to do. Got to play with his food a little? Yeah, I think he's going to beat him up and then like, look at his corner a few times. Be like, you guys want to fix this? Hey, we're, we're here again. Yep. And I'm totally fine beating this man up. <laughs> I'm totally fine. with. ain't got a family. I've yep. got kids. The other Wilder denial that blew my mind, he was like, you can't punch. He put you down, bro. Three times. Like, if I hit a home run a lot, right? It's not like, you know, if I hit four, if I'm uh, Vlad Guerrero, right? Yeah. First couple home runs, you'd be like, ah, man, Billy Hamilton hit a home run before. I don't care. We get to 15, we get to 20, we get to 25, we get to 30. Vladimir Guerrero's closing on 40. Hey, man, he can hit. Yep. That's it. Otani, he can hit. There is no Brady Anderson 51 home runs with the Orioles season here. It was like, ah, shit happens. You yep. got lucky. He can hit. Certain point, you got to realize somebody can hit. You got, this is a ball getting hit, an inanimate object. You were the man getting hit by Tyson Fury, and you mean to tell me that you got stopped in this fight, your ear was bleeding, you got put down on the canvas, he can't hit? That's more denial. Yeah. I, I think he's equating one punch knockout power to actual power, but it, that's not how a fight works. No, it, it, like, I don't, I don't care. It doesn't matter if someone hits 50 home runs in a year and they go 500 feet every time, or they go 330 every time. A home run's a home run. It's a go yard. If, if the guy puts you down with an eight-punch flurry, it doesn't matter. Same thing as when you punch people and they drop off a one. The outcome is the same. The man has power. And I'd argue it's worse when he's pummeling you 10 punches in a row before you go down. Well, that, that's the kicker, right? We have guys who knock you out with one punch. Yep. And then we have guys that bludgeon you. Yep. There is nothing, again, in a workout, when you're doing something, if, if it ends, like, if, like all right, uh, we all get, get injected, you get shots, you get vaccinated, right? It's quick. Ah, ah, shit. Got my little vaccination. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I get a shot. Ah, good. But if they keep, if, if they keep sticking you with a needle over and over again, that's, that's not fun. Shout out to all my people with tattoos. Right? Like, <laughs> that, that is a long-term thing that you have to deal with. And yeah. mentally, you don't want to do this anymore. You want to be out, right? There's a lot of people who get tattoos halfway done. They're like, ah, I can't take it. Yo, I can't even fathom that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're halfway yeah. there. And it's like, ah, I can't take it. Yeah. They throw in the towel. Yeah. <laughs> Bingo. Bring so it's like you, you look at Deontay Wilder and he's saying the man can't punch, but he bludgeoned you for six and a half rounds so the, the fight would stop. That's worse. Yeah. You have a nearly 300-pound man punching on you for six and a half rounds. And when you talked about the scores, 17 of the 18 scores, three judges, 
six rounds. 17 of the 18 scores in that fight for Fury. I don't know who gave Wilder, I think, the second round, right? One judge gave him the second round. I guess. He, he hit Fury with two good right hands that Fury ate like they were nothing. Yeah, so, uh, all right, but you lost 17 of the 18 rounds. Yep. In your head, you have to go and say, I have to be able to outbox him. What do I do differently? What am I refining? He was better than me on that night. How do I fix this? Yep. I don't think Deontay Wilder could do it. I think Malik Scott's going to be a very good trainer in this corner, but I don't think Malik Scott can get to Deontay Wilder to make him adjust in this fight. Tyson Fury, I believe, is going to stop him one way or another. This fight does not go the distance. All right, so you're taking Fury, TKO. I'll take Fury um, as well by TKO. But if I had to put money on it, because Fury's a favorite, um, Fury going the distance and choosing to bludgeon him is a bet I really like. I like Fury by unanimous decision if I had to put money on it. Because, yeah, I think there is a point where Malik Scott and no one else in that corner are brave enough to throw in the towel again. And Fury will see this and beat him for 36 minutes. And honestly, it'd be up to the ref to say, I'm not allowing this to go anymore. Hey, how about this Which one? may not be the case either. How about this one? We have to find the betting line on this. If there is a line for a disqualification... Put a little bit of money on it. A little, little, little dough on that DQ. Yeah, I think, the, again, I think if Deontay, if, if Tyson Fury chooses to bludgeon him, Deontay's going to try to find a way out. If he can't knock him out, he needs to find a way out. It, again, you guys listen to this show, and it sounds like we're just piling on Deontay Wilder. He's the best one-punch knockout artist in the game today. Yep. But he's facing an opponent who is taller than him, heavier than him, and more skilled than him with an f- incredible chin. Can Wilder catch him? Absolutely. I don't see it happening, but I do think a man who has not been accountable and is not making adjustments is going to find a way to check out, either by TKO or DQ. Real quick, because we'll, our last break, we'll head to break, come back, and real quick talk about the other announcements we've had this week, because we'll just leave that to the second, um, to our last segment. But if Fury, it's more fun if they lose. If Fury loses, what's next for him? Oh, that's a tough... Okay, so we have Dillian White fighting uh, Otto Valen. Yeah. And we have, well, Derek Chisora and Joseph Parker, doesn't matter. No, no, not for them. Uh, but if Dillian White ends up being the mandatory, I'm very curious if the WBC enforces it because Dillian White has been like the mandatory for a long time. On Thursday, they said they would enforce it. I, I fully believe that they will. Um, and maybe because it's clear that Anthony Joshua is probably going to go with the immediate re- Usyk. Yep. Like, he. I like AJ for that. I like his team for that. It's a bold thing. Maybe you shouldn't do it, but it's yep. like, hey, man, you can't hide. So if they're going to do that, I think it's totally fine for both Fury and Wilder to take a fight in between. Yep. If, if Fury loses, Wilder fights uh, uh, Dillian White if Dillian White beats Otto Valen, and, and Tyson Fury fights Andy Ruiz? I'm not mad at that. I like Fury Ruiz possibilities. Um, I, I think... Fury would then reevaluate, yeah, and just wait and try to get whoever is undisputed in three fights. I I, I don't think Fury just wants. I don't think he. I don't know, he wouldn't be inactive, but yeah. I'm saying like he does enough to keep his name in that picture because Wilder's not going to fight him again. No, because at this point it'd be a draw, a win, a win, and technically they should run it back again. But I don't think Wilder takes the win and runs. So if Fury does win. And Wilder loses. And Wilder loses. One, American heavyweight boxing hinges heavily on this fight. 
Yeah. Because without Deontay, the best heavyweights in the world are all across the pond. Oh, Andy's there. Yeah. He's there, but he's got to show us something again, right? Oh, I like Andy with Reynoso. I mean, he looks good. Yeah. He, I, I mean, he looked great against Ariola. Ariola? No, no, no. You know, so. So, um, Jared Anderson's on this card. He's the future of American but, heavyweight boxing. But that's a long way off. Again, none of the, none, if he had on the card, none of these guys are in the immediate future in the heavyweight no. division. Deontay's got a lot of pressure. If Tyson Fury beats Deontay Wilder, where does Wilder go? He retires. You think it's over? I think it's done. I, I do, too. I think he's made enough money. Yep. Him and Telly Swift are out here promoting fragrances this week, which yes. I also find very odd. You're in the biggest, yeah, is, yeah. You're, you're in the biggest fight of your life, and you're like, check out my wife's fragrance. I'm not, saying I'm not saying there's anything wrong with promoting your wife's brand or you and your wife's brand, but how about you wait until after the fight? Yeah, I, bro, I can't, I can't call it. Uh, my wife said shout out to her fashion choices, though. Deontay Wilder's wife's been killing Oh, Telly, tell I mean, she looks fantastic. Yeah. Right? So, but, okay, so like, Wilder, Wilder retires. Wilder says, that's it, I'm done. I got enough money, I'm going home, I don't need to do this anymore. I got a lot of kids, and I can feed them. Yep. Does Tyson Fury go after Usyk, or do you think Tyson Fury ends up having to fight his mandatory, which could be Dillian Wilder, or rematch with Otto Valen? I think Tyson Fury wants to fight his mandatory. You think so? Yeah, I think he, he would love to fight Dillian White. Bob Arum yesterday said he wants to stage that fight in Vegas, and Fury has a home out here now um, as well as his home in England and everything. So he splits time. So his Fury's plan technically now is to be out here for the winters because they're warmer and then spend like his summers out there and like enjoy the best of both worlds. Makes sense. So he would be in Vegas. Aram's like, okay, if we make his mandatory fight around February, it's just smart. He's here in Vegas. He doesn't have to travel. But again, there's no guarantee Joshua's going to win. A fight with Usyk probably has to be here in the States to do crazy numbers, because Usyk's not a draw in the UK. So now you're thinking maybe MSG, because if he does bring fans over, that's a good joint, or you can bring it to Vegas. I think Dillian White is the chance, maybe Tyson Fury's only chance for a return home fight. It's a, it's a big fight, though. In the UK. Yeah, it's a big fight. I, I think this is his only chance to get that. Now that AJ, to me, is gone. I'm just taking that out of my head. If it happens, amazing. In my head, if Usyk beats AJ again, AJ's out of the picture for now. Because, by the way, AJ could lose twice to Usyk. Then Fury beats Usyk for any reason to become undisputed champion, and he'll fight AJ. Yeah, if AJ so, works his way. Yeah. So, I mean, for now, it's out of mind. I think Fury wants that fight in the UK. I, I think maybe he pushes to have that fight in the UK, you know, come early. I don't know, not early, but like February, March. And then it puts him in alignment with the winner of Usyk, Joshua, and then they fight next summer around August when they were supposed to fight this past year. So I think he wants to stay active in that regard. I wouldn't be surprised to see him take two fights. I wouldn't either. The inactivity has bothered him. Yeah. He trains so much that if he can fight the mandatory in white, I think he could also possibly fight a lesser opponent. Someone I think they're just like, okay, cool, he can, he can beat up. He might fight a Luis Ortiz. God damn, Luis Ortiz is a thousand years old. He's gonna be Mill, million and five Man. right now. He's walking with the dinosaurs. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised to see. I mean, Andrew Ruiz is a tough test. Yeah. Does he do like an Andy? Because you put him in Andy in Vegas, you sell. But that's a little bit tough of a of a fight while you're waiting, you know. So um, that's a possibility, though. There's, I think Fury continues to fight, and 
the whole you don't defend titles narrative is behind him if he wins. I think he defends it a lot after that. But, yeah, I don't think we see Wilder again if he loses. Well, there you have it. And uh, undisputed title, we've, we've been wanting one king of this division. You're going to have to wait at least another year. Oh, at least. Uh, let's hit our last break. When we come back, it's going to be super quick, but we're talking about all the other stuff announced in boxing. Don't go anywhere. Be right back after this. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. All right, Dre, time to wrap up this show. Let's talk about, like, all the auxiliary stuff, though. First thing being Teofimo Lopez, George Cambosis. Supposed to be on Triller. Supposed to have been on the 4th. That date has passed. It was supposed to happen on the 16th. Triller couldn't get Cambosis to uh, agree to that. They challenged through the IBF. The IBF was like, no, Triller's bugging. And Triller <laughs> tried to get ahead of it. He was like, no, we don't want to promote the fight anymore. We're out of that business. We don't want this fight. They're continuing on with a fight card in, in Brooklyn anyway, which they're paying the site fee for the Barclays and recouping none of that money. But now it looks like we're going to get Teofimo Lopez versus George Cambosis on the zone because they had the second bid with Matchroom and Eddie Hearn. And listen, it took a while. But Eddie's a smart man because people are like, you know, Aaron was upset that he bet, you know, he put in his, his bid on this and all this stuff and reverts to... The zone U.S. has been hurting for a fight, and this is a really good fight to, to really kick off, hopefully, which is another strong stretch for the zone U.S. if they can book um, Ryan Garcia on the heels of this. Triller won't be around next year. I mean, <laughs> listen, listen. It's straight verses. That's the only thing on Triller. That's it. That's all you got left. We got yep. Big Daddy Kane and Karras one. All right, that's all you got because you clearly can't handle boxing. You put in this... $6 million bid for Lopez versus Cambosis. COVID derailed it. Yep. And then you went back, and then you just completely you tried to do Monday Night Football. Like, then for them to say, oh, we didn't know. Like, how do you not know it's Monday Night Football? Yeah. How do you even think a pay-per-view fight on a Monday is going to work? It's a smart idea. Like, like who's at home on Monday? Like, yeah, I want to spend $50 to watch a fight. You have one of the brightest young stars in boxing who – depending on who you ask, is the undisputed lightweight champion. Yep. And you have George Cambosis, who's kind of talked his way. He's a good fighter. Yeah, he's, he's a good fighter. Good. But you have these things lined up, and all you have to do is stage the fight. And they couldn't stage the fight. This is the worst fumbling of a title fight in a young star I've ever seen. And I can't even blame Lopez because it's like, hey, man, $6 million. I mean, he'll be fine. He's 24. He yeah, just turned 24 like three weeks ago. He's good. The problem is, is that I'm concerned with is whenever this fight actually happens, Teal was cutting weight all this time yeah. to, make, to squeeze down to the lightweight limit, and now he's going to have to wait and do it again. There's a, there's a thing that happens where guys overtrain, and especially when it comes to cutting weight to keep that weight down, your energy. Yep. Now, I don't know if it'll affect him. I don't think Cambosis is a hard enough puncher. I don't think he's got the, the discipline to beat Teofimo Lopez, but this just can't be good on his body. 
I think at this point, this is absolutely Tio's last fight at lightweight. Oh, I think so. I think um, 140 is calling him, and it, and it should. There's nothing to gain from staying at lightweight and defending those titles. Nothing. There was only something to gain if you can fight a guy like Javante Davis for all of the belts, or um, Devin Haney would be a great fight to make the true undisputed. Like, if you want to stay for that, cool. But again, they're all 23, 24, 26 years old. You're going to see each other sooner or later at a weight class. Sooner or later. There's no rush to kill your body to stay down there and fight them right now. None. Go up to 140. Be comfortable. Fight Josh Taylor. Fight Josh Taylor. Because, again, if you give up your belts and move up a weight class, you become the mandatory challenger to whatever belt you gave up. Newsflash, you just gave up all of the belts. You're the number one contender for every sanctioning body because you are undisputed champion. So when you do that, and I, that's false because I think they make you choose one. That's why like Bud Crawford, when he went up after being undisputed, he went up to Welter and they just like, yo, what belt do you want? And he had to choose like the WBO or whatever he is. So, um, but still, you choose one, you're in the same stable, you have a chance at winning them all. And if Josh Taylor can't get Bud Crawford, because, by the way, after this fight, he's going to be a free agent. We'll talk about him in a second. His next stablemate for a pay-per-view fight is Teofimo Lopez. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, you know, Josh Taylor's got Jack Catterall later, but that he, should be, I don't want to say it's easy. I don't want, I like disrespect. Catterall's a good fighter. Yeah, I don't want to disrespect it because Catterall is a good fighter, but I think yep. Josh Taylor's just in a different class. Yeah. But, man... It's it's a, uh, I just hate that Tio has had to wait all this time. At least he's rich. Yeah, yeah, he's he's fine. <laughs> um, Catterall, I would say, is more of a threat to Josh Taylor than Cambosis is to Tio. I agree with that. I agree with that one hundred percent. Cambosis again, he's a good boxer, but yeah, he's yeah. won split decisions. Like yeah. he's been in wars. It's, it's like, I, we're very early, but it's like Caleb, Caleb Plant is going to fight Canelo. Yep. And Caleb is a great fighter, but you have to have something special to be Canelo. Cambosa needs something special to be Tio because you need power to keep somebody like that off of you. And if Tio gets in a mood where he feels like beating you up and Cambosa can't get him off him, it's going to be a long night. I just wish the damn fight happened already. We're, yeah. It's October and this fight still doesn't happen. Well, Cambosa has something special, and that is chaos. Well, so chaos is like the, the card in his back pocket. Like, if this was a perfect fight camp, perfectly structured, both guys are, know their dates, they're both cutting weight, everything's great, I think Teal smokes him. Now, we don't know how Teal's weight cut's going to go. Has he cut weight three different times now? Like, um, he had COVID, which is why it was canceled. And he's a guy who has asthma, like asthma problems. So having COVID on top of that, what is his gas tank looking like? Maybe it affects him differently than it would affect other people. There's a lot of stuff up in there. But Ken Bosa has stuff he has to go through as well. He just lost um, his grandparent. He's in Australia. He's about, he had a baby as well. He has to do like some weird quarantine thing when he goes back. Like You've got to get from Australia to wherever the fight is. You kind of need some notice to do that and cut weight properly. Um, unless you're in the UFC and like you're crazy like Dan Hooker or somebody. I don't know. Like They just come over and be like, yo, I'm fighting tomorrow. But outside of that, like normally, there's so many obstacles here that it gives you that little bit of what if. Yeah. But I just, yeah, we need to see the fight. We need it scheduled. And I have nothing but faith in Eddie Hearn is not fumbling this. 
No, it, this this fight will happen, and quick. I'll, I'll be yeah, happy when it does. So, yep. thank God. Thank Ready. God Triller's out of the picture. <laughs> Ready to get that moving. Um, Bud Crawford versus Sean Porter have a press conference on Saturday. I love the fight. It seems like a lot of people love the fight, which is crazy because some people don't consider Terrence Crawford a draw. But it's one of the biggest fights trending-wise in all of boxing right now. It has more buzz, honestly, than Fury Wilder this weekend. Like People are really excited because they don't know what's going to happen in that fight with Crawford. I think this press conference is going to be boring as all get out. <laughs> like they, They're friends. They like each other. Yeah. Crawford doesn't say much. I think it's going to be boring. Yeah, I mean, it's a press conference to announce the fight. You know, thank your families. And, you know, I'm going to show you who's the best. And, all right, let's smile and take some pictures. They might hug it out. They <laughs> might. They <laughs> might. And, I mean, listen, man, uh, full disclosure, I'm friends with Sean Porter. He's a great guy. It's hard not to like. Friend of the podcast. Yeah. And on the show. He's very disarming, too, which means, like, as we get closer to the fight, Sean's never going to say anything that's going to be, like, extremely disrespectful and make you want to whoop him. But when that bell rings on November 20th, Sean's trying to kill you. And that's one thing you always have to have in the back of your mind. Is like he's, he smiles a lot. He's yep. got two kids. He's a happy guy. What happened? The bell rang. Yeah, he's a dog changed. in the ring. He's a dog. So, yeah, I think the build is not going to be great. I think it's really up to ESPN to build this fight. And it's like it, you can't really rely on these two. Make me work hard out here. Yeah, you work hard. Give you me all the highlight packages, all the knockouts. That's that's the only way. I'm yeah, there's this there's no bad bad blood. No. Bud's not going to fall into that trap. Sean's not going to set the trap up. These guys are going to be very respectful towards each other. But if you position this as like, hey man, we got to find out what Terrence Crawford really is. Yep. And Terrence might find that disrespectful, but it's true. Sean Porter is the litmus test in the welterweight class. He's not a gatekeeper because he's a two-time world champion. Yep. And he could be. He could beat. But he could still be. I mean, listen. You give me Sean Porter versus Ugas again right now. Like he, he beat the champion. Yeah. Like, so like you give it to me again, and they run it back. I'm taking Sean Porter in that fight. I mean, I will say that Sean Porter. Like somebody told me he's like a C fighter on my Twitter. So yeah. I was like, wait a second. Sean Porter has who's the, a B fighter. Yo, Sean Porter has now that Manny Pacquiao's gone, the best resume in the welterweight division. Yeah. He has literally fought everybody. And there's not a single opponent, Kel Brook, Ugas, Errol Spence, Danny Garcia, Keith Thurman, that has, can say, I beat up Sean Porter. All those fights were hell. Errol Spence went through hell yep. facing Sean Porter. That and knockdown then, really is he needed what it. made the difference. Yep. Even though Sean Porter lost to Kel Brook, it was overseas. It was, I mean, it was, it was a lot of holding. It wasn't it was fun. Ugly fight. Nobody, it's not fun fighting Sean Porter. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like you play with somebody and it's like, I don't really want to play with you because you play really rough. That's Sean Porter. He's all, he, he plays too hard and he smiles while he's playing with you. <laughs> and it's like, hey, man, this isn't fun anymore. Would you stop? You're really aggressive. You're hurting me now. And now you have to fight back. That's what Terrence Crawford is going to have to deal with. He can't play with his food. He's going to have a hell of a fight. But you're absolutely right. This press conference is going to be like, yeah. <laughs> Just, it's a photo op. Like at this point, yeah. I'm, yeah. No quotable shall be coming out of this press conference. And then the last one to touch on before we get out of here, uh, Javante Tank Davis versus Roley Orlando Romero. Um, pay-per-view. Pay-per-view. Tank's never fighting off a of pay-per-view no, again. No, he, he, he's, like he's going down the Floyd Mayweather path. Yeah. Like, this is it. Regardless of who he's fighting, yeah. people will pay to see Tank. And I would argue that if you're paying to see Tank, this is not a bad pay-per-view. No. Because you're guaranteed a stupid knockout in this fight like you're you're guaranteed something 
that looks like it's straight out of a Looney Tunes cartoon. Like, Tank is going to try to separate this man body from spirit. Yeah. And we may see it just rise about him. Hey, hey, yeah, I think if you have the, the a certain kind of light bulb, you can see the spirit leave the body. But <laughs> they need to light up the arena with these things. Because look, it. Roland Romero is a decent fighter. And I, I, I say that kind of like, he's not bad. No, he's not bad. He just has, if this is Madden, he has a five in the defensive category. Yeah, so he, he's here to get punched in the face. Yes. Right? yes. Whether he wants to admit it or not, Roland Romero's getting hit a yes. lot. And this fight could end early. Tank could just completely steamroll. It's whatever Tank wants to do. But you're certain to get some kind of violence. It's going to go viral. They figured it out with Tank. As long as Tank keeps his nose clean, stays out of trouble, you got a pay-per-view star. Yep. And you, you steamroll Romero, and then you know what everybody's looking for. Who you calling out next? Yep. Is it going to be Ryan? Is it going to be Devin? Is it going to be Tio? Who you want to fight? Hey, he go, I want to fight Bud Crawford. Yep. And people be like, all right, cool. But this is it. Like, that's what you're paying to see. I'm fine with it. Uh, what is that fight? December 2nd, something like December that? December 5th. In L.A., not going to Atlanta again. Is it the same weekend as UFC again? It is. Oh, There's a UFC card that weekend. And that, that's the Oliveira Poirier fight? No, that is December 12th. Right? 12th okay. All right. In New York, which I have. No, that's here. Yeah, it's supposed to be here. In New York, I think that weekend I have Lomachenko. Mm. Well, which I, would be a great fight for Tank Davis after this. Yes. Either way, I think I'm going to go to this fight. Because it's like it's the atmosphere. I mean, he's doing this smart. He fought in Atlanta, take him to LA. He's got to do, he's going to end up doing Barclays at the Garden next. Tank is about to do the, the tour. Yeah, he's about to yep. do the tour. Hey, maybe you fight Josh Taylor overseas. Build up your base. Whatever it takes. I feel like they're doing everything right with Tank. Roly Romero's an opponent who's just an opponent. Yep. He's going to be a punching bag. He'll probably turn to dust. We'll talk about that fight when we get there. But at least we know that Tank's got another fight before the end of the year. Hopefully, Ryan Garcia gets another fight before the end of the year because we haven't seen him for a while. I don't know what the hell's going on with Devin Haney. He just paid a lot of money not to do a whole lot. He needs a fight. If he wants yeah. to stay on the same level with these, with to the be rest fair, of the it's not his fault. It's not. Jojo Diaz is his mandatory now. He doesn't really fight. It looks like it's going to be Jojo versus Ryan, the battle of the mandatories. How stupid is that? It's ridiculous that the sanctuary body is like, yeah, cool, let's do that. But nobody a, wants to fight the champion. Wait, wait, nobody wants to fight the champion. No, because the champion isn't a pay-per-view guy. He doesn't sell. The zone doesn't care about pay-per-views, but it's not as big of a fight. And he makes fights boring. It's just, it is, and that's a nod to his talent. That is his skill set. He makes it look easy when he beats people. If a matchup is tough, he can make it ugly and survive. And you're not gonna starch knock him out, in my opinion. No. So it's one of those things where it's like. Yeah, I think I can hit Jojo Diaz more. Jojo Diaz is like, yo, if I knock out Ryan Garcia, I'm gaining way more clout than fighting Devin Haney. So he's, he's a man where it, it's not cool to fight him. Um, and Matchroom, he's technically a free agent. But with Eddie Hearn still at the helm, they don't really have too many people on the roster they can throw at him right now. Uh, it's... It's just stagnant for him. He's going to have to take someone who's like Theofimo's fought already or Lomachenko's fought already. Like you kind of got to go through the, the retreads here to just stay busy. He has to stay busy. And one thing before we go, you know I'd like to see Tank fight? Really? Who? When I'm looking at it, Mikey Garcia at 140. Hmm. A step-up fight for Tank. 
Mikey hasn't fought for a while. Mikey's a free agent. Well, Mikey has a fight. Oh, yeah, coming up, like, in a week. Yeah, and nobody cares. No. Um, but um, yeah. he's looking to fight Regis after that. Yeah. Mikey and Regis, which is cool, which could still probably be around January, maybe, if they pull that off. The zone USA needs them. So, I mean, Regis just uh, signed with uh, Richard Schaefer's. Schaefer's group. But yeah. he's still looking for that fight. Yeah, of course. By all regards, him versus Mikey. You know what? I'd love to see Tank fight the winner of that. He's got options. And, you know, and let's be real. Schaefer and Mayweather have had a good relationship. Oh, of course. That is not why, you know, the thing with Soured with De La Hoya and Gold. Like, listen, Nobody Schaefer and Mayweather have made a lot of money together. Yeah. I'd be shocked if Schaefer and Mayweather are like, yo, Tank needs to step up. Regis is a good fighter. Belt or no belt. Yeah. That's what a hell of a fight. And Regis is offensively minded. Yeah, You've seen that against Taylor. It, that'll be a war. And Regis more than likely be like, absolutely. Oh, Regis take that fight. And Regis believes he wins that fight. Absolutely. And I couldn't tell him differently. <laughs> like, Regis is a really good fighter. Yeah. That Taylor fight was really close. So that's our show for today, though. I feel like we talked a ton of boxing this week. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. As always, we appreciate everyone here at Blue Wire Studios and the Wynn Hotel. Everyone in production. We love you guys back there. Everyone passing by, thank you guys for stopping, watching, and listening. Hold on, hold on. This is breaking news for me. Uh-oh. Going to get a massage. <laughs> Andreas Hell, WWE World Champion. Big E, getting a couple's massage. Hey, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so silly because he's... Look, it's look. the opposite of his dream match with Goldberg. It's yeah. the opposite of big meaty men bumping meat. Nah, this is this is <laughs> this, this is Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger from Twins having a conversation. That's what we're doing. That's my brother. He's in town for the fight. Uh, he was like, "Hey, we should." Get, he was joking and was like, "We should get a couple's massage." And then he was like, "I'm not actually joking. I need a massage. But if you want to join, that's cool." And I was like, "All right. Well, uh, this sounds really, really strange." Really? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "But then I was like, you know what? Like, you getting you getting the works." WWE champion? Yeah, I'm a, I want the works too. Tag along for a massage. I just pictured the tables like in the same room and you guys just like next to each other. I told E when uh, we saw him earlier, I was like, E, he was like, you told him, you're like, yo, make sure I get a medium robe. I was like, E's probably going to get a medium robe too. Like E's t-shirts are like a small. Yeah. It should fit over one peck, but somehow he stretches it over his gigantic man chest. Right. So... <laughs> I don't know, man. Enjoy your massage. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so happy for the both of you. Um, we appreciate everyone out there. Follow us on Twitter at Corner Podcast underscore on Instagram at Corner Club for Life. Shout out to Network Blue Wire once again. Shout out to all of the sponsors. Until Sunday to recap the madness that is this weekend. We'll know who won by then and we'll see what the fallout is. We're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.